Welcome into the Who Day Talk podcast. Brayden and Jay here. Today we're going to be discussing the Bengals and Steelers game. What what went wrong with that? And we're going to talk be talking about some more linebackers this week. Speaking of it, let's get into it. The and we're going to start with the Bengals Steelers game. And I was just Jay. What did you see in that game? Because obviously a lot happened. What do you think was the deciding factor in us losing? I just. I mean, it goes back to the rest of the game. I think it was the play calling. I mean, I I think all the players did the right things. Uh, I mean, obviously, we did have our issues with, like, the pass rush. That that was non-existent. Uh, D-line had a terrible game. Uh, I mean, other than that, it's just, like, stuff that we knew was going to be an issue coming in and play calling. So, for example, uh, with Vance McDonald getting a lot of targets and a lot of catches and a lot of yards, I mean, we, we know our weakness is tight ends. So, I as a defensive coordinator, as Terrell Austin, you have to know that and you have to know that they're going to take that as an advantage. So, I mean, I think you, I think everyone saw uh, Burfick say about that one play they ran. They'd never practiced it before. Well, I mean, that kind of just speaks a lot about Terrell Austin and how he runs things because they obviously weren't prepared for the defense. They weren't, or they weren't prepared to play defense against tight ends. They weren't prepared for the run. I mean, he just seems very unprepared in the play calling. They like showed that. Yeah, for sure. And there's like I can forgive a defensive coordinator who just sometimes doesn't have the talent to make the stop. But he didn't even try and adjust the defense, especially in that first. Yeah. Half. It was just McDonald, McDonald. He was just destroying our defense, and we were calling like the same play. Or he didn't even try and put a little more focus. So I'm I've been trying to defend Austin the first couple of weeks, but I'm at I'm at the point where I don't understand him at all. I mean, and I don't think this has been his worst week. I just think it seems it seems a lot worse just because the stakes are so high. It's a Steelers game. I mean we need it's a game that we all love to win. I mean it doesn't happen often. So yeah, we're gonna pick apart every little thing. But I mean at the same time, Austin has certainly had better weeks. Uh there's been weeks where he did have some halftime adjustments and in the second half they weren't I don't want to say that they were the defense was never terrible. They were just always a step behind, and that's why we lost by a touchdown. I mean, Dre killed us at the end, and he had that pass interference, whatever, defensive holding, or whatever it was. Which uh, was holding. Some people are trying to say that was a bad call. No, Kirkpatrick was hugging him. That was a good call by the refs. Yeah, that was a good call. And there was bad calls on both sides of the thing. I mean, at the end of the game, everyone was saying that uh, it was an illegal pick. Um, who cares? They're inside field goal range. They're going to win. They're anyway. going to win. They're, it's, that is it's kind of irrelevant at that point. Yeah. I mean, I would understand I would understand if it happened like on 4th and 10 on R50 or something like that, but it, in reality it didn't, and they were going to win anyway, and I mean I'm, I don't know. It's just, it's kind of upsetting to see us get so close every time and then just for nothing. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I I mean, I think we for as much cre- for as much blame as we put on uh Terrell Austin, I think we have to assess some on Bill Lazor too. Oh my gosh. One of, this might be his maybe I'm wrong, but I think this was his w- worst game this year calling. Oh, definitely. I mean, at the beginning of the game, I could tell it was going to get rough when he called two screens in the first drive and that led to a three and out ultimately, but I I could just tell it wasn't gonna be a good game. I mean, and the only the, the nice thing I did see about Bill Lazor is in the two minute drill, 
they had a two-minute drill twice in that game. Both times they scored a touchdown, and that was promising. Because that tells me that when it's, when it's clutch, he can do it. It's just a matter of him figuring out what to do when he doesn't have any constraints. And that's, that's – I don't want to say it's a good problem to have, but it's a better problem to have than not being clutch at all and not – I mean, it's, it's a different – it's still a different team offensively just because in the past we never were able to finish those two-minute drills. It always ended like an interception or a sack or a three and out. Like it never ended well. And I think if they can bring some of that intensity into the non-time constrained portions of the game, it's going to end a lot better. Yeah, completely agree. The thing that was really pissing me off with Laser Tay was Joe Mixon. He was dominating the Steelers. He averaging like six yards per touch, and we only give him the ball 11 times. Like, I'm trying to process the logic in that. Like, every time Mixon got the ball, it seemed like he had a really good carry. Yeah, he, he was basically opening up the offense, and then we just don't use him enough. Yeah, I mean, and while I agree they should have used him more, I think the people, I don't think we should have been giving him like 20 touches. I mean, just because we know, we didn't, we didn't really use their, we didn't utilize, we didn't take advantage of their weaknesses at corner. And I mean, we did miss John Ross. I think John Ross would have helped a lot. We might have won that game with John Ross just because he's going to stretch out those corners and have those one-on-one matchups, especially with Artie Burns that you want to have. And it just, to me, I think they should have passed the ball more effectively and ran the ball a little more. But if you're not going to pass the ball more effectively, I mean, you have to, you have to, you have to bully, bully them through the run. I mean, it's just like, I'm, I feel like I'm explaining this wrong. So, like, if um, I don't even know where I'm going with this. You need, but, to, you need to use the run to open up the pass, basically. You need to use the run to open up the pass, but I mean. I don't think they should have used the run to the extent of a lot of people of what a lot of people were saying. I think a lot of people were saying like, "Oh, why didn't they run G or not G or run Joe Mixon 20, 25 times?" Like, I think fifteen would have been a nice number uh, because you wouldn't have had to run him that much had the play calling on the passing plays been better. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I think this was a game that we just simply got out. Coach Austin was a step behind. Laser couldn't figure it out. Marvin just seemed like. The team wasn't – I don't know to explain it, but Marvin just didn't have this team seem to want to win this game fully. And he didn't, I didn't see a lot of great adjustments at the half, and I just think we got outcoached this game. I just think it was a mental thing. I mean, I think they came into the game – the Steelers are in their heads. I mean, in, until a major locker room overhaul happens, I mean, they're going to continue to be in our heads, and they're going to continue to have our number. And – I mean, it's hard to really put a pin on what the issue is because we have the personnel. I mean, I think it was Drake Kirkpatrick that said it best. I mean, we, we are a better team, but we did lose. And we got the L, and they got to get better. I mean, it's, to me, it's just a mental coaching, mental slash coaching slash play calling thing. We have the talent where we are a better football team than them. Agree. And I didn't even think Kirkpatrick played all – that bad today until the last couple drives for the Steelers. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't have a bad game at all. I mean, just that holding call yeah. kind of brought out the Kirkpatrick meme jokes everybody likes to make on him. But I mean, he handled. Yeah, he allowed a couple catches, which corner doesn't though. And it's just that holding call that's annoying everybody. 
Yeah, I think uh, I think they had a great game. William Jackson looked to be himself again, which I thought was nice. Yeah, phenomenal. I'm I'm the one thing I will give Austin. He did put him on Antonio Brown more times than not, and William Jackson was holding him down. See, I don't really credit that to um, Austin, just because. I mean, I believe William Jackson was on that left side probably 90% of the game. And that's just how they play their corners, and that needs to change. They're afraid to move around their corners. And I think the only reason that A.B. was lined up against William Jackson as much as he was was because the Steelers, Steelers lined him up against William Jackson. I don't think that was a product of Terrell Austin at all. But, I mean, I'm done roasting Terrell Austin. I'm trying to focus on some positives, and William Jackson was a positive today. Yeah, and so we – I don't know if you remember. There was a shot earlier in the game. It might have been early first quarter where Burvick had a hit that looked very similar to the wild card hit, but he kind of ended up hitting Bates more than Tony Brown. Do you think that was intentional by any purpose or that was just kind of a bang-bang play? I don't – I'm not sure if he – I don't want to say that he wasn't trying to get him down. I think he was trying to make the tackle. But I think it was more of a – he was going at him for the tackle hard. He let up, and then he was afraid that his head – or that Antonio Brown's head was going to go into his stomach, so he moved his arm down. Yeah. Uh, a scenario. Um, I think he is going to get a penalty from the league for that just because of who he is. I don't think any other player would have gotten one, but just because of his history, I think we can expect a – Definitely a fine. Expect a fine, and don't be shocked if there's a suspension. And I don't think it's gonna be like a six game suspension. Like a but I think it'll easily be one or two. Yeah, no, I think they kind of show that it wasn't. He wasn't going for AB. He, as I just said, he kind of more hit Bates. I think he was letting up, trying to get out of the way, and at that point, he was bound to hit somebody. I mean, I feel like if he was trying to hurt Antonio Brown, he could have. He could a lot more effectively had he just like barreled down on him like like Antonio Brown was in an extremely vulnerable position if Burfick wanted to hurt him and if he, if Burfick was this like thoughtless player that everyone th- thinks he is uh, he could have very easily done that and he didn't uh, and it's not like I think AB I don't want to say he flopped a little bit but I think he overreacted just because of he, who he saw he saw who 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 did it? I mean, I think had it been like another team, or even if it had been like I don't know, like a player like William Jackson, or like a player like well, I don't want to say Jake Kirkpatrick because I hate him too, but I mean a player that they didn't really hate. I feel like it would have ended differently, but I mean it's what it is. A flag was not even called. Yeah, it was a legal play. I don't know if I. I get yes, it was legal. I don't. I don't even know why I want to call it. So I'm just gonna. Stop talking about it, but yeah. Um, Some other pauses I saw was I thought Cordy Glenn and Clint Bowling held up their own. I know Glenn had a holding call that took back a big play from Boyd, but I kind of thought while that was holding, I felt like the Steelers got away from that. Like I'm not about to go into, oh, the refs were the blame the refs, but I felt like that was a holding call that didn't need to be called for how much the Steelers were doing it. And I thought Clint Bowling had a really good game. Yeah, I mean, I thought the whole offensive line had a pretty good game. Like, I mean, Alex had a couple of pressures, but other than that. right, yeah. I mean, Alex Redmond had a great game in the first part of the game, and then he kind of regressed as the game went on. But in the first part, he played very well. He had a nice, really nice block for Mixon, Mixon, and it was like a 
12 or 13 yard game maybe. And um, Bobby Hart, I don't. Did he even let up a sack? Uh, he let a couple of pressure, but I don't think he gave up a sack. Yeah, so I mean that's improvement, I guess. I mean, good for Bobby Hart. Good for Bobby Hart, not completely messing up. Um, <laughs> but I mean, they're just some of the pot. I just feel like it was it was purely play calling, coaching, and mentality. I mean, I don't know. That's pretty much all I really have on it. Uh. Dalton didn't have his best game, but he didn't have his worst game. He didn't go full blandy, but he he came through on that last drive. Yeah, I mean, I that's I the mean, thing. Like throughout the whole game, too, like Dalton was kind of it was in his head, but then that final two minute drive, he just looked like a really really good quarterback. Like nothing ever happened. Well, in both of the drives, in both of the two minute drills, I mean, and that tells me that it really was mentality. It really was in their heads because when they're when they are under the time constraint. They got it done because they probably weren't thinking about okay, it's the Steelers. Steelers, they're thinking about okay, we have two minutes to get it done. Let's get it done. And that's what really tells me it's a whole, it's a mental thing, and that's not easily fixed. So I mean, hopefully they can find a resolution or at least a band aid for that. But I don't know if that's possible. I mean, at least under Marvin, I don't think it's possible. Yeah, I mean, I think Marvin. I don't even. Want, yeah, I, Marvin is probably not possible. I mean. It's just – I don't know if it's Marvin or if it's the core players that have seen this happen throughout their careers, like Dunlap, Atkins. Probably a mixture of both. Yeah, but I feel – yeah, I mean, I feel like if they came in with, like – it's a confidence thing. So, like, if – I feel like they had a new head coach, like, I'm, I know we're not going to get Lincoln Riley. Not plausible. will never happen. But if we had Lincoln Riley, I feel like the team would be a lot more confident and cocky, and I think that's what they need against the Steelers. They need to be confident and they need to be cocky. And I think the reason why I was so close today is because – they were a little confident. Like, when they came in 4-1, and one, the Steelers only had two wins coming in. And I think that's why it was so close. But they, in the end, they couldn't finish because, I mean, in the end, it was still a lot of the same players, and it was still the Steelers. So, I mean, that's pretty much all I got on it. Uh, and one more thing I want to bring up just because I heard it happen. After the game, apparently, there was a bit of a fight where I just saw a report Nixon had to leave the field for illegal behavior. Apparently, Tomlin was running in – to the huddle, maybe he was just breaking it up. But I guess what's the Bengals Steelers game without a little fight? Yeah, uh, I don't think we'll see Mixon get suspended at all, but we could probably see a fine for that. Um, I don't think it will be anything major for us. Nah, uh, if, if they're going to suspend Mixon, they're going to have to suspend Steeler players. Yeah, a couple of different people involved from. That. I heard. I didn't see a video. I looked for a video, could not find it, but. From what I heard, it's not like it was mixing, throwing a punch in it, and then it sounded like it was a scuffle, and that multiple, if punches were thrown, multiple people threw punches. So, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, we had we had to expect something coming out of this. Yeah, mixing, excuse me, a little overly pat, <coughs> overly passionate at the end. I really love his passion. Hopefully, next time we see you series week seventeen, you're. Not a little scuffle, but I'm not overly worried about it. Just this game was frustrating, but that final drive, I think we all knew Steelers were going to score. Yeah, I yeah I agree. Um, but I mean that's pretty much all we got on the game, I guess, right? Yep. Time to go to the linebackers. Linebackers. Uh, you want to start with? Uh, start with Cameron Smith. Cameron Smith. All right, I'll let you go first. All right, so Cameron Smith, the USC linebacker of. 
some really good things, some really bad things about him. Start, he's not very athletic. He's he low as hell. Oh yeah, it's he's not athletic at all. He's not that fast. You t- as you told me yesterday he, or earlier today, might have been. He's probably going to run like a four point eight, four point nine at the combine. I could easily see that. You just can't trust him in man coverage, uh, run game. He's not very effective. He's not very fast at getting to the ball, but his zone coverage I thought was really good. He often knew like what was behind him. He knew what was in front of him. He's fairly good at reading the quarterback's eyes and wasn't yeah. knowing where the ball is going, but he knew his responsibilities in zone, and oftentimes he played his zone well. Yeah, I mean, this was a guy that I came into the year. Um, I watched a little bit of him. Um, looking back, I don't know what I saw in him because – now I see him as an early day three prospect. Um, but my big thing with him was I had two big negatives on him. Uh, one, very slow, kind of lazy. I mean, he he wasn't he never joined in on tackles. Yeah, but, that's another thing. One, yeah. One. More importantly, he he's afraid to hit. Uh, he always goes. He never goes for the body when he tackles. I mean, he looks genuinely afraid to hit. He goes for the arm tackles and he often misses a bunch of tackles. And if he if he was a little faster, if he was a little more athletic, like maybe if he lost like thirty pounds, I think he'd be a great um, a great like zone like coverage linebacker. But I mean, his issue. My the thing I liked about him, you already said it. Uh, he's a pretty good zone coverage defender, um, and I think he's decent in off man coverage too. So like when like they give a little space in man, uh, he's not terrible in that. Um, I just think he'll struggle if you're going against like a Duke Johnson type running back in that situation. Oh yeah, I would never put him against a running back. I'm speaking about tight ends. Oh but, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, never against a running back. He'd he'd get his lunch taken from him. <laughs> uh, but it's just he's not good versus the he's not that great versus the run. I mean, he struggles immensely, especially in the a gap. Um, he doesn't use his size. He's just oh, and the one other thing I really hated about him, his reaction time is god awful. Yeah. Uh, he he looks a step slow mentally too. I mean, not only physically, but a step so a step slow mentally. Uh, I mean, overall, I have him in my sixth tier, which is essentially a um, like an early day three pick, um, maybe creeping into the late third round, but probably early day three. Yeah. Uh, and among my rankings of linebackers, currently he is eighth. Um, and that's only a scouting. That I only have 10 or 11 linebackers on my list right now, uh, while my rankings right now. But, I mean, that's what I have on him. I mean, he's a slow guy, big program against good competition. So, I mean, I think his floor is going to be pretty high uh, just because you know what you're going to get with him going at the next level. And that, along with his coverage skills, is about his only positives. Yeah, and he's – I don't see the Bengals drafting him. It might be appealed just because of his zone coverage, something they obviously need. But we do him. But if they think that's all he is, they might try and find somebody who can do a little more in the long run. Well, and the issue with us is, I mean, he's not fast enough in zone coverage. He's not athletic enough to help us because our issue is I mean, we have guys that can that are good in zone coverage. We just don't have guys that are, that are athletic and good in zone coverage and are mentally smart. And the only thing he has is good in zone coverage. He's not mentally smart or not mentally smart. That's kind of stupid but he's not a good smart player he's not his mental processing kind of sucks uh 
I mean, we don't need another one of those. We already have probably three of them on our roster. Yeah. Now. All right, who do you want to talk about next? Uh, all right, so my favorite that I – well, I have two favorites. So, let's go with uh, Joe Giles-Harris. Um, he is a sneaky pick to be linebacker one this year. And I have – right now, after after the second round of linebackers, I have Patty Fisher at number one, and then I have a four-way tie for number two. Or, yeah, four-way tie. And Joe Giles-Harris is one of those four-way ties. Um, I just need to watch more tape on him. I watched, I believe, three games on him. And I just he's a guy that I'd like to follow the rest of the year just because if he continues what he's been doing, I think he's going to end up linebacker one or two, um, like solely linebacker two. I guess he's already tied for linebacker two. But he's a, a very overall – he's a all-around linebacker. He can, he can do it all. He plays nickel. Uh, he's very disciplined in zone coverage. He hits hard. He's great at getting off blocks, which is pretty rare in this class, um, which you'll probably hear more about um, later on in this uh, episode. Um, great tackling technique. He aims for the body. He doesn't go for arm tackles. Great at stopping in the run. Uh, he's very, very nice in man coverage. Um, he doesn't let tight ends or running backs get too much of a gap in between in between them. Uh He's very nice mental processing, reads plays well. Uh, and it's, some linebackers, you see them, they, yeah, they're serviceable in man and zone, but no, this guy can be trusted and relied on in man coverage and zone coverage. Uh, he's He has the mentality of a Patty Fisher type player where there's always more to be done. You always need to be in on the play, and that's what I like most about him. Uh, the things I don't like about him uh, – Occasionally, he can get turned around in coverage with sharp breaks and head fakes. Um, I saw this a few times, but in those cases, I believe he was lined up against a slot receiver, which, I mean, that's probably going to happen if you have a linebacker lined up against a slot receiver. Um, and then also, uh, like, on a vertical route, if he's in, if the team is in zone coverage or the defense is in zone coverage, I noticed that he tends to uh, play his zone a little bit too shallow. So if they – let's say a guy is running an in route and the cut is ha- supposed to happen 10 yards in and he's running a zone that's supposed to cover up until that 10 yards. Uh, he's not really covering that. He's kind of just sitting there assuming the guy went on a vertical route and is not in his zone anymore. Uh, that's Other than that, I mean, he can give away his assignment pre-snap with hard counts, I guess. I mean, I'm just nitpicking here at this point. I mean, I like him a lot. Uh, and I guess – He's not a super fast guy, so like if if you had like a um, David Johnson or like a Jamal Charles type back running on a pitch a pitch run, uh, I guess he'd get he wouldn't get the tackle. But I mean, I'm just nitpicking here. He's a great linebacker, and I like him a lot. Yeah, you basically covered it all. I mean, so where do you think he's going to go? I think he ends up going in the uh, second round just because of he's small school. He goes to Duke. Um, I really hope he can get drafted in the first round because, again, I see him as one of the top five linebackers in the country that are draft eligible at least. Um, but, yeah, he's a solid player. Uh, it'd be a shame if he got – I mean, see, I'm also not very good at projecting where these guys are going to go because I thought – It's early in the season. It's hard. Right, yeah. I mean, I thought Tegray Scales was – 
locked to be a day two pick. I thought he's a lock to be a day two pick, and he went undrafted. So, yeah, Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say that didn't the Bengals have like a lot of interest in him? There's like some rumors he could have been a third round pick for them. Oh yeah, no. Some people were saying were saying to Gary Scales was, I heard talk from uh, one of my people that I have a few people inside the organization that aren't like in the front office, obviously, but they hear things around the office, not the front office, but like where they work in the organization, and a lot of them were saying that to Gary Scales was uh, the favorite to be the second round pick. And it's just it's shocking me that they wouldn't even spend a sixth or seventh round pick on him. So that tells me that there's something either mentally there, not mentally, but like character wise or they, something they didn't like. Or maybe there's a legal issue that got resolved that never really came out. Uh, but, yeah, that was kind of shocking to see him go undrafted. I think he's not even on a team anymore. I think he was with the Vikings originally. Yeah, I haven't stayed updated on him, but you know, probably something mental with him and uh, yeah, somebody who I wouldn't have been mad the main will take like round four to grayscales. Yeah, obviously, like after we picked Jefferson, probably not, but in general, based off talent, what I saw on film, I liked him. Yeah, I would have much rather taken like a uh tackle or like a another linebacker round three, but I mean, I, I would have been happy with Tigray Grayscales in the third round or anywhere below that. Wouldn't have really been happy with him in the second round just because of the value, but. I mean, he's a great player. I don't know why he didn't really get picked up. But, I mean, back on the linebackers for this year, uh, yeah, I mean, I love Joe Giles Harris. That's pretty much all I got. Um, who do you want to uh, talk about next? Uh, we can talk about Sullivan Quarterman, the Miami linebacker. Sullivan Quarterman? You mean Shaq Quarterman? Ch- yeah, sorry. <laughs> weird, weird names this year. But Quarterman, Miami linebacker, he's someone who I really like. Uh, he He knows what his job is. He's – Honestly, he's ACC. I watched three games of him. And one of the things that I liked when I was watching him against Clemson was, obviously, Clemson was ranked number one at the time in the ACC championship. He was he was very well disciplined. He zone coverage. He takes his zone. He knows who his man is. He, he can struggle a bit in man coverage. Uh, he's really good at getting off blocks, which – He's like the only other linebacker that I was really impressed with doing that. He has really good technique. And he knows when there's times he needs to get off the block and just kind of push the linebacker back into the running back. Like against Clemson, there was a situation on second and one where they're running it outside and he just completely threw the linebacker into the running back. He's a very, very smart player. I think he can play in the nickel. He he might struggle against running backs, but I think he – He'd be able to cover tight ends, and he's – I think he would do well in zone coverage in general. He's a really smart player and good in zone. Yeah, I mean, you pretty much hit everything I liked about him, except um, I kind of disagree uh, on the on what you said about he excels getting off blocks. I mean, that was his main issue for me. Um, he just looked a step slow when he was getting off blocks, and, like, when he did get off blocks, and it normally wasn't – he didn't really do it in time. Um and that was my main issue with him. I saw I saw it against offensive linemen. I saw it against uh, like tight ends and stuff. Um, that's that was my issue with him. I I'd like to talk more about that. Just like what did you see? Um, like when I guess you watched a Clemson game, yeah. So I guess he was better than that. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, okay. What other game did you watch? The LSU game? Yeah, I did. 
What about Wisconsin? Wisconsin. I I watched it a couple of days ago. I I think it was Wisconsin. I would have I would have to look at my notes. Yeah. So I mean, in L like the most recent game I watched was the LSU 2018 game, and in that that was the game that I thought he was probably the most okay at getting off blocks. I guess uh, Wisconsin 2017. Um, I mean, he has the potential to get off blocks, and that's what I like about him. Like, he's so, he's close to doing it. So, like, it's not like it's a guy that, like, he gets stonewalled every time he t- gets near a blocker, but he has the potential to, to do it. So, I guess that's, like, maybe we're just talking semantics here. But, uh, yeah, I mean, other than that, I mean, I think he's a very versatile linebacker. I think he can play any linebacker position, Sam, Will, or Mike. Um, he's, like you said, a very smart player. Um, I think his, other than getting off blocks for me, I think his main issue is uh, stopping the inside B gap. Uh, I think he's good versus the A gap, but I mean, I don't know if you guys know what the B gap is. The B gap is the gap between the offensive guard and the offensive tackle, while the A gap is between the center and the guard. So he struggles versus the B gap. Um, I don't know why that is. Uh, just something I noticed throughout the games of LSU, Wisconsin, and um Clemson but I mean he's he has a little bit of Patty Fisher in him for me in that that yeah in that he is in on every play but yeah great linebacker he's he's one of those linebackers that's tied for linebacker two for me um easily top 30 player he's somebody who I'm going who I know I'm going to be watching for the rest of the season he's somebody who excites me and I and I hope he gets gets into the first round yeah, he's a guy that I would love the Bengals to have. Uh, I think I would rather have a guy like Patty Fisher or Joe Giles Harris just because they're a little more stout against the run. And I think they'd, I think both are, Quarterman's the better coverage linebacker out of both of them. Um, I think that's pretty apparent. But, I mean, we have issues versus the run and covering tight ends and running backs. So while I wouldn't be upset with a Shaq Quarterman pick, I think I'd much rather prefer a pick of um, Joe Giles Harris or Patty Fisher. But, I mean, I can't really get – you can't go wrong with any of the three. Yeah. I think something we're going to disagree on, and it could change, but I think we both have very different views on Mac Wilson. So, it'll be fun to see how we think of him as we get closer to the draft. Yeah, but right now, what did you have, Mac Wilson? You said he was your linebacker three? Uh, Linebacker two. Linebacker two. See, I'm, I have him at linebacker six right now. I – I've not been impressed with him at all. I mean, I've only watched two games just because not a lot of tape is available on him. But, I I mean, I guess I watched two games and the game from Saturday. And in all three of those games, he did not look good at all, uh, to me at least. So, he's right now, he's my linebacker six. Uh, I know that's kind of a hot take, but, yeah, that's what I got right now. Um, but back on the guys for today, uh, we talked about Giles Harris. We talked about Cameron Smith. We talked about Shaq Quarterman. Uh, the last guy is TJ Edwards. Uh, what do you think about TJ Edwards? TJ, uh, fortunately, for whatever reason, I could only watch one game on him. Uh, didn't get as much as I was hoping for. I thought I don't see him. I didn't see a lot of anything special in him. Like I felt like he had a lot of he would do a lot of good stuff. Then he just I'm trying to find a way to explain it. He, I saw him inconsistent. I saw him fairly good in coverage. I don't think he was spectacular. 
And I just need to see more film before I give a real grade on him. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy that he's not the... Sorry, can you hear me? Yeah, you're good. Sorry about the technical difficulties, guys. Um, we got it resolved. Um, so we were talking about TJ Edwards, and I believe uh, Braden just gave his take on him. Uh, pretty much what I was in the middle of saying before we lost uh, connection was um, he's kind of a math player overall and um, very good in zone. I thought he was – that was probably one of his better traits. But, I mean, he's a good tackler. Uh I'll let Braden finish what he was going to say, though, and I can come back on him after he finishes up. Yeah, as you said, really good cover, zone coverage linebacker. He has pretty good ball skills. Uh, he has the bulk he needs to be able to get off blocks, and he can do it. He doesn't always do it. Not always great in the run game. He sometimes let linemen wash him out. Uh, as I said, I only got to watch one game on him. I need to watch a little more before I give, like, a true ranking, a true spot for him on my linebacker spot. I need to watch him a little more. But I I just don't see him having a ton of potential in the NFL. I see him as a guy that he's going to be a – he's not going to be a super high-end starter. He's not going to – he'll probably be an average to slightly below average starter. Um, just like he – he reminds me of like a guy that he does all the right things, like he does all the things that a linebacker should do, right, right. But then also he has the common, the common, uh, every single one of the common, uh, I don't want to say negatives, but every single one of the common things that most linebackers have to work on, he does wrong. So like for example, um, he's kind of slow. Um, he goes on the outside. He goes for the. Uh, the ankle tackles, the arm tackles. Um, he he has decent mental processing. It's not great. Uh, and I think he's uh, he's good at getting off blocks, like you said. But at, he's not very good at avoiding the blocks or hitting holes untouched in the first place. So he's never going to be a big uh, TFL guy, tackle for loss guy. Um I mean, he's a good zone linebacker, yeah. Uh, I think one of his issues is he can't break off. He doesn't know when to break off that zone coverage uh, soon enough. So if it's obvious that the quarterback is going to be tucking and running or if he's going to hand it off or go for a screen, he kind of sticks on that zone a little bit too long. Uh, he's fine in man um, in that regard. But, I mean, he's just kind of a math player overall. I think he's going to end up being a second or third round draft pick. Um, I have him as a late second round to early third round pick. Um, he's, I want to say he's my sixth or seventh. He's my seventh linebacker right now. Not terrible at all. I mean, he's, he's, he's overhyped a little bit just because coming into the season, I know a lot of people had him in the first round and I just don't think he's that kind of player. Uh, he's very average. And I don't think that's a guy you want to draft for the first round. Yeah. Completely agree. And, uh, so for next week, we do we want to do a mailbag next week, take a week break from scouting, or do we want to go like guards? Uh, I got midterm, so um, yeah, I think I'd enjoy having a little week off of uh, yeah. scouting. But uh, one thing to look for um, here, and I don't know when exactly it's going to come out, but 
me personally, I'm going to be having a top 100 big board coming out probably towards early November. Um, that's going to – so I'm going to have to get out my scouting a little more after my midterms. But, um, yeah, so I'm going to have a top 100 big board coming out. Um, I'll let you guys – I'll keep you guys updated on that. But other than that, uh, day next week we're going to do the mailbag. Um, I think we're going to do that through Braden's Instagram, uh, yeah. at Bengals underscore NFL. Um, I'll do a little bit on my Twitter, but most of the people I interact with on Twitter aren't really fans. They're more uh, draft scouts like me. But, I mean, other than that, uh, we'll do that through Braden's Instagram. Um, send him your questions. We'll talk about them. We'll get them answered for you. Um, who day? We'll see you guys next yeah. week. Cheers.